1: What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't, aren't subscribed, definitely make sure and head on over to our YouTube channel, subscribe, like, comment, listen to what you about the episode if there's a particular guest or topic you'd like to have covered we love to hear your guys's feedback and then be able to make that on the future episodes so we definitely look forward to hearing from you there today i'm going to be chatting with josh from cft performance he was on the podcast years ago and we had talked about uh, different things in automotive things he was building and his business has changed so much over the years i wanted to catch up with him ask him what he's been up to um, the types of industries he's in fabricating um, doing powder coat a bunch of other cool things so i look forward to catching up uh, catching up with them asking him about automotive things that they do and then also some other industries they've expanded into as well but before we get to it I want to remind you our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off site wide code for you if you use code 23diesel20 at kershaw.kaiusa.com it's a great way to save some money on some really cool gear so if you need a knife for hunting fishing EDC something around the job site or house they've definitely got you covered they have a ton of knives to meet any budget a lot of different choices And 2023 has been a huge year for them. They've had a bunch of releases. One of the newest ones are the Duralock models, which the way that the blade opens and closes is super smooth, really positive feel to it. Keeps your fingers away from the blades when it opens and closes as well. And the blades made out of D2 steel. Um, So if you're in the market for something to work hard, carry every day, work around the job site, around the house, definitely make sure to head on over to their website, check them out, and use code 23diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Josh from CFT Performance, chatting with him about what he's been up to, the expansion of his business, some tips um, for people that are out there, either in fabrication or really any industry in general, and seeing what his thoughts are on automotive. Josh, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I've been a big fan of you and your business for a long time, and we did an episode way back when, and uh, I follow you on Instagram and seen a lot of cool things, and a lot of progression and expansion that you've done. And I thought it'd be great to chat with you today and kind of get the the inside scoop or behind the scenes on all the work you've been doing, all the expansion and uh, even keeping yourself busy. So welcome back to the Deuce Podcast.
0: Man, Patrick, I appreciate it. I love seeing your podcast just keep growing. You're doing an amazing job. Uh, Tell everybody to go listen and follow you.
1: We definitely, definitely appreciate that. And and like I said, I've I've been a huge fan of, of, of yours and I, um, you know, since we did the last one to now, we've had a lot of new listeners subscribe and, and listen, and they might not have caught that old episode, but I wanted to start with telling, telling them like a bit about where you started um, with your businesses and then how it's progressed to where you are now. We see a bunch of really cool things behind you, which I'm sure we're going to ask you questions about. Um, but, uh, yeah, give us the background on, on, on how you started and, and where you're at today.
0: Well, it's a uh, very interesting. So about 2014, I had this wild idea that I could start doing what I've been doing pretty much my whole entire life uh, just fabricating and building different automotive products. And I started in my two car garage in 2014. And then with the power of social media, we have started as a full-time business in 2016. And here we are now. Uh, it started out with the niche markets, so the EcoDiesel platform, we we're one of the first people to really kind of tackle that hard intercooler systems and the other performance upgrades. We started doing the compound turbo kits with them. Uh, Ryan SBO beat us to it by like two weeks on the first one.
1: <laughs> uh he
0: did a good job on that. And then uh, we kind of went into that. And then 2016, the Nissan Titan Cummins platform came out. And it just so happened a really good friend of mine that had an EcoDiesel I used. He had one of those on order. And first day he brought that in, uh, we ripped it all apart. And then, of course, we set all the records with that. still holding the records. We've done 1,000 horsepower on it. Uh, Just as of 2020, I think, we reached that goal. We had 1,000 horsepower on the motor. Um, Yeah, a lot's changed since then. Uh, We went from a small commercial building to now we're a little bit over 5,000 some plus square feet building, which is now over packed. And from being just an automotive manufacturer to now we're in about six different industries. We do food beverage industry, we do construction industry. Uh, also, as you can see in the background, we do the firearm industry and we do a lot of firearm parts now. Uh, we do custom builds, uh, we do the coating, powder coating, all in-house, the CNC milling and just kind of ADHD entrepreneurship at its best <laughs> at the end of the day is what it really boils down to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's one of the, the things I remember way back then, the things you were building in automotive were really cool and they looked, they looked fantastic. And the part that really got me curious is how you expanded into all these other industries. Because I think when I think of automotive and specifically, say, diesel truck stuff, it's very focused. It's almost I don't know if there's another com- like comparable industry out there. It's almost its own unique sort of thing with what people want, what they look for, what they respond to. And that's what I wanted to ask you is you were successful in that, but then branching into, like you mentioned, food and beverage and firearms and construction industries. Was it like learning totally new industries from the ground up or were there similarities or what was it like trying to break into those other, those other industries?
0: Well, it was actually very easy for me. Uh, The only one leg up is, is I've never had before I started this business, like, one job i wasn't just uh, some fabricator for one company i've worked for so many different companies and at, like when i was in my early 20s i worked at a food and beverage industry and i ended up becoming work back to them later on and doing their head of maintenance for a while so i had a foothold in contacts in the food and beverage industry And then you go over to the chemical industry. I worked two and a half, three years in the chemical industry, and I still have contacts in that, and those people know my quality of work, and we've done work back and forth with them. Uh, The firearm industry is a funny one. It's like I've done 20 years of competition shooting, and it was always kind of like my retirement plan was, uh, man, I want to be like kind of a custom gun maker i guess almost like that jesse james types (laughs) (laughs) and we've expanded our cerakota and powder coating industry so much here in the last year uh that it's like well let's dip into that and start doing just the custom coats and then we just snowballed into now we're cnc and guns and we're working along with actual firearms manufacturers and going back and forth and doing deals with them and uh, helping out the Sarah Cody projects for um, their new gun lines and so forth. And so it's just, luckily for me, I just worked in multiple different industries in the past. And it's like even the automotive industry, I was, did, uh, work with a few NHRA teams back in the day, uh, worked with Bigfoot. So original monster truck team and we were building monster trucks for them. We still do, odd in work with them every now and again, too, uh, which branch us over to, like, MTI boats. We do all the powder coating and coating for the MTI boats, which are, if you've ever looked into them, those are some beautiful boats, and I think the price tag started at, like, $21 million for their baseline boat.
1: Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, um,
0: it just, for, uh, like I said, it's ADHD at its best for me. I, I just never sat still. I always wanted to learn something new. I've never really been bored per se. I just uh, that moment I actually sit down, I just come up with a new idea, and it's like I got twenty bucks. Let's throw into it, and the next thing you know, I bankrolled a couple grand, and I've made twenty bucks back off of it. But (laughs) give it some time, and then I just keep meeting new people, and then people see what I can do, and they come up with ideas, and they bounce them back and forth, and then we'll see if we get into that industry and. Next thing you know, this is where we are. So it's always kind of been like a hobby. It's never really ran us like a real business. It's it's always been kind of like a hobby that started in the garage to do a side hustle. And then next thing you know, we have a staff of like five people, and
1: uh, it's like a full time gig for everybody. So, yeah. That's one of the things that I've noticed with friends that I have or people that I've met in through automotive is also have other interests. A lot of them love to shoot or they love to build things or they have boats or they have other stuff that they're into. It's not just trucks or, you know, even race cars or things like that. It's, it's, it's very varied. And that's one of the things that in following you that was really cool is I started to see like the Cerakote things you were doing. Like I remember it way back in automotive, but then I started to see Glocks and rifles and different yeah. things. And I'd see your competition gun and you're out there doing stuff. And I saw, oh man, this is so cool. Like he's got things that a lot of people would be interested in. And it, the other part of it that got me curious was like, you mentioned um, like yourself and the people that work there. Is it, is it really hard to, because I think of you know, say somebody wants intercooler piping, and then somebody's having say a mill job in cerakote on a uh, on a pistol slide, and then someone else is wanting something else. Is it hard to manage all that internally, or how is is that a challenge?
0: It it, it can be because we'll go back and forth with we'll have a sale on our website for some automotive stuff that we still build out and everything, and then next thing you know we get slammed with that and then believe it or not we don't really have never since day one on a local level nobody even really knows i exist it's the funniest thing ever and (laughs) uh next thing you know i'll just be posting like hey we're doing this a really great deal on slide cuts and so forth next thing you know i get shipped in like five slides and we're trying to Run the CNC for our automotive stuff and then trying to run it for our slide stuff and still trying to keep everything under a one week lead time and get it back out to the customers. Um, But we got a pretty good system kind of set up with how we drop all of our invoices and our paperwork and then the paperwork goes with every single order and every single part and Everybody around here has been here long enough now that you got a great sense and idea of what every single product is and every single part and what kind of goes with them. So it's a really great team effort that we have here. So I, I couldn't do it with out my whole entire team I got here. That's for that's for sure. It's I've tried for many, many years to be the one-man show of it all. And then I finally was uh, uh talked to really good by uh Rodrigo. <laughs> And he told me, sometimes you need to step back and uh, get a little bit of help and just kind of let go and things will get better. And I took his advice. And next thing you know, life has been so much easier. I got a general manager that takes care of the shop. I got a main shop guy. I got a social media guy that does the video work and making sure all the scheduled posts go out. And I get to focus on making sure stuff gets out properly and we have proper inventory and then just the new ideas and designs and so forth so taking a little bit of time a lot of bumps in the road but it's like I said since 2016 to where we are now there's been a lot of evolution in it
1: one of the one of the parts of this and we were chatting a little bit um, before the podcast about it is how automotive has changed over the years and things that you know, like happen with social media and shadow bands and other things that exist and I've followed the firearm industry for a really long time. And that one has gotten hit really hard, whether through demonetization on YouTube, um, Instagram, Facebook stuff. And I wanted to ask you as it relates to automotive, are are you seeing that kind of take place or are you seeing social media be influenced differently as it pertains to automotive versus what it was in like 2014, Um, the, the perception out there?
0: It's it's harder now. Um advertising, using social media, um it's definitely not what it used to be even two, three years ago compared to what it is now. Um both our business account on Instagram, my personal account on Instagram, I just literally posted up before we were chatting, I was like, Oh, there it is again. Uh we're banned and shadowed on everything. They can't send our content out to the viewers or anyone else and taking down posts so it's not as easy and it's like i kind of get a small understanding with the firearm side but we're not posting shooting videos we're not really posting any content that would show any harm or remote violence in particular uh, i look at it as artwork whenever you see custom coded guns and so forth like that empty chambers everything secure and you would think there would be some leeway, but there hasn't been. But they've also, like we were chatting earlier, we posted some of our stainless downpipes for the EcoDiesel platform. And they also pulled those images saying we were posting firearms again. So um, AI could be a great tool. And also it's showing that it's working really great for censorship in the wrong areas once again. So... Mm-hmm. The social media side and getting the word and advertisement out of what you build and what you make as a business, not just my business, but I've talked to many business owners. It's so much harder. And even on like a local level, um, like we hardly ever do any local business and people locally just don't even really know we exist. And then when we do find the people that find out that we exist, it's kind of funny, like, Oh, I've been following you forever, but I didn't realize your attendance for my house. <laughs> and it's the funniest thing, how social media works. So it's been, social media has been an interesting ride. Um, be very interesting to see where it's going to be in another five years. Uh, cause it's always evolving and changing. And to be honest, really the only thing we all can do is just evolve and change along with it. Unfortunately. Um, and trying to figure out ways around it and so forth and doing stuff like this podcast, getting to the bigger viewer audience and uh, you can't even say paid advertisements work anymore because we just literally wasted like $50 on a paid advertisement and we got 120 views on it. (laughs) So (laughs) it just kind of showed that it's not even working like it used to anymore. So it's, it's a new uh, evolution in the game is, where I put it. And, uh, I think YouTube and podcasts are probably going to be the biggest advertisements that you'll be able to do as a business from here on out. And if you didn't start doing that within the last couple of years of the business, if you just kind of started one, I would definitely suggest to maybe get yourself a YouTube account going and start making some basic videos. And at least they'll always kind of be up there for most of the time. Um, as long as you're not doing any violations of that. And that'll help get uh, views up and uh, know that your business exists.
1: That's a really that's a really good point. And I've had people over the years where it's pretty much all automotive, but somebody will message to me and they say, "Hey, I want to you know start my own shop or I want to build something." And, and maybe they're not like installing things or doing you know oil changes and and you know maintenance on vehicles. But they're wanting to expand out there and they'll say, well, what's the best way to do it? And it used to be, you know, you start a Facebook, start an Instagram post. It was very easy to reach thousands and thousands of people. And even with the paid ads, you could do them and you could reach 50,000 people, 100,000 people. And for not a lot of money, comparing it to something like Google AdWords or, you know, something like that, which can get really expensive. And it's so different now and you know you mentioned podcasting like when we started this i didn't even know what a podcast was like in 2016 i'm like what is that i've never listened to them never heard of them and now they're such they're they're more common um same thing with youtube like if i think about myself if i want to learn something i typically go to youtube whether it's automotive firearms history like business stuff anything like that i go to youtube to watch it and, and see and i think that's a really good point that you made for anyone who is starting out in really any business is how to, how to reach people. Um, It's not the same as it used to be. I know there are some really successful companies out there that just do local. I guess it depends kind of what you do, um, what you're working on, but for a lot of people, yeah, it's like, how do you cast a wide net? How do you get yourself known and navigate the kind of social media world? So it's really cool to see how you grew it. And then, now how it's expanding through, you know, the, the ways that you're reaching people all over the country.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, it's very, very interesting where we're really going with it at the end of the day. Um, locally, I would, I, w- I've asked all my local friends, I have local businesses that do nothing but local business. And I just literally pick their brain all the time. Like, how do you do it? <laughs> Cause I want to do more of that. And it's, I don't know, every platform, every business has a way it just kind of populates out and then the word slowly gets out. Um, With us, what's kind of hard is like being custom fabrication, like we've been taking in a lot more powder coat and Cerakote work. Um, We don't really have no competition for the Cerakote around this area. So we kind of have a leg up on that. Uh, Powder coating, there's probably about another half a dozen people that powder coat around here. So That's the old race to the bottom, and I've outgrown that at this point in time. Uh, It's Prices are prices, because at the end of the day, we all have overhead. Uh, I know when I first started out, I was always that guy that was, why is this company charging this much for this? Because I know how much it costs to build it. And then as time's going on, I'm like, oh, overhead. I didn't understand overhead. And then you throw in dealer accounts and you never put in perspective what dealer accounts cost and then shipping. And then what a cost of tape is and the cost of shipping is. And even if the company has, you pay for shipping, it's still sometimes it might not even cover it. If the systems don't add up sometimes. So it's kind of interesting the business ventures you'll take on and what you learn as time goes on with, if like say you want to start a business and you have a great thought and a great idea, and a great business strategy in the beginning within a year, you're going to be, if you're still going at it, which I hope you would be, it's going to break you down for sure <laughs> and uh, humble you and teach you how much you can handle stress and people, uh, on that aspect of it. But yeah, um, Oh, yeah, Facebook groups. That used to be always a good one that you could advertise on, which a lot of places will not let you advertise your business on Facebook groups anymore, too. So it seems like a lot of those groups have shut a lot of that down, unless you're an admin for it, of course. So, But that used to always be a great place that you can kind of drop some stuff down, especially in the automotive groups. A lot of that's still open. Um, That We're still uh, active in a couple of the automotive pages, helping some of those people out that we can on that side. But as far as, uh, we do fitness equipment and gym equipment, you're those pages are the most locked down, interesting pages. If you do any self-promotion whatsoever, they kick you out. And I found that over about 10 pages.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that I, 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 did, I remember seeing some stuff that you had done with exercise equipment and I was like, Josh does a little bit of everything like and you think of like what you do and the need for it which is I mean we powder coat our our charge pipes turbo covers there's tons of things you know where Cerakote applies and um, all these different industries that need it and something you mentioned that that got me curious is about pricing because I've seen a lot of companies that when they started or a person started it, their angle was, I'm gonna be the cheapest. And I haven't seen them around it. I don't, you know, a lot of them go out of business because of the overhead and the cost of doing business. How do you find the balance between affordability and value, but then also longevity and being able to do it and build your company and be able to invest in, I'm sure, there's a lot of costs with machines and materials, things like that.
0: It's a fine edge and it's always a catch 22 at the end of the day, unfortunately. So every time we come up and do product idea, I do a lot of research going, does anyone else have this? Is this available anywhere? And I'll spend countless days searching everywhere to see if anyone builds what we already built. And then in the process of it, I start doing comparisons it's uh, if this is a well named brand and they build a great product where they build it out of how's the building process of it. And then what's that compared to ours? So it's like, we can stay automotive and go let's uh, just intercooler pipes. Um, Our main product line of intercooler pipes is all built out of aluminum piping. Then they're fabricated uh, mandrel bent, welded together. And it's like, what is that benefit compared to a company B? And you look at theirs and go, oh, they're bending out of one piece of tube, but the tube is super thin wall uh, galvanized tubing or something. And it's like, that's the most comparable company I got. And then we go, well, this is the cost it makes for the material and the labor, the shipping, we add it all up and we go, we need a bare minimum of say double that So you have a hundred dollars wrapped up into it. Let's try to at least sell it for $200. So that at least we make a hundred percent profit back on it. And is that comparable to company B that makes a similar product, but our quality or our material is slightly better than the next company. So it's like I said, anymore, it's always seems like it's a race to the bottom and it's always been a race to the bottom because the people always want that eBay, Amazon, get it next day, get it as cheap as possible. If it works, I'm happy with it. Then you have the middle group that's willing to pay a little bit extra, wait a little bit longer for something that's a slightly a better product. And then you have the other group that they want the best of the best and they'll wait a year to have the best. And that's what they expect when they get it. So trying to cater to all three groups at the same time, it's hard. And then just trying to cater to one group at a time (laughs) is even harder, it seems like. Uh, In today's times, everyone's fast to hit up social media before they even hit up you. And then even if they do hit up you and they don't like the answer in return, they're back to social media. Or they've done both at the same time. It's... at the end of the day, you have to just take your losses with your losses, your wins with your wins, and try to keep moving on. And just know that, you know what, the next one to be better. The next time's going to be better. And don't let the the small one percent of either screw ups or just can't make those people happy, happy. And just keep moving on because you still have other orders coming in. You still have other things going on. You know, in the beginning of every business, of course, it, you, you'll want to try to please everybody because you're starting a business and you don't want it to fail. And the one thing I could tell anybody that's starting a business, the only person that can really actually fail your business is yourself. So if you're failing with everything that's going out the door, then that you're just going to close it down. Now, if you have that, like I said, uh, even a 10% screw ups, we're all human and we all make mistakes you try to do the best to fix it or you just scrap it and make sure it doesn't happen anymore of that so it's it, you have to keep moving forward at the end of the day when you stand still that's when everything goes stagnant so you just keep be like running water and keep moving forward and keep chipping away
1: how do you handle the stress of business and all the different directions you get pulled into and I can think of a thousand different examples of what could be a stressful day but what are some tips that you would give people to be able to handle it
0: uh well back in the day like our last podcast when I was really totally stressed out I pretty much get blacked out drunk uh I would definitely not suggest it Uh, I'm going three some years sober now and it's That's helped my life tremendously is staying sober and don't let your emotions get the best of you. I, life is stressful. Running a business is stressful. Having a family is stressful. So the best thing you can do is to meditate or find other hobbies, find things that you're, you're going to say, you know what? This isn't working. I'm stressed out. I need five minutes in a dark room. Uh, or start working out, uh, start doing some exercise, eating healthy, uh, give yourself goals to try different things. Uh, It's like I said, I used to turn to alcohol all the time. And then one day I just realized I was like, this is not working out for me. This is making things worse. And I was like, "Uh, I'm gonna go a week and not drink. Then I was like, no, that was not as hard. I'll go two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And then here we are, three plus years later. After the, after that, and it's changed my life entirely. It's actually changed my business. It, it, literally, the moment I quit drinking, our business expanded to about hundred percent that year because I was able to put more focus on everything else around me than uh, be honest, starting to have drinks at noon. <laughs> so that's that's been changed. So to really like anyone else, else out there, I mean, Joe Rogan has a great. <laughs> Talks about great things for stress. Try some mushrooms. (laughs) Try some. Try try something to expand your mind and uh, um, your horizon a little bit (laughs) to uh, not be so stressed out. And just remember, it's like we're on this little spinning blue ball, or maybe it's flat. I don't know. Uh, And (laughs) at the end of the day, it's we're just this little speck in this big old huge universe, and there's things way bigger and greater than us. And what why spend the time stressed out about it? Like you can be angry and emotional at moments of stuff, but you gotta let some stuff go and just keep on with your day. Otherwise it's just gonna ruin your day, and then it ruins your week. And then next thing you know, you're two weeks behind on something because you let one instance just overtake you for way too long.
1: I think the stress is something that's definitely it's it's felt everywhere. I mean, from day to day life, the cost of things, um, and then you, you factor in a business. And, you know, if I think of, say, automotive for a second, it's been really tough for three years with back orders, materials. When are they going to come in? There's a lot of just terrible stories. I've heard about trucks sitting for six months because they can't get apart, um, you know, at a shop and just all these different stresses that, 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 are, that are out there. And that's why I was really curious, you know, how you handle the things that you um, – you know, do to kind of de-stress or, or get focused because I think we can all use that no matter what we're doing or, or what's going on because it's, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older and I just noticed the stress more. Or maybe I was young and naive and didn't pay attention. I don't know what it is, but um, it, it's something that I, I definitely see, you know, even with myself or people around me, um, you know, doing podcasts, watching things. There's just a lot of it out there. And I think people are looking for ways they can self-improve and then manage it because stress sucks, but There's nothing you can do to really avoid it.
0: I I took all my stress. It's like I wake up at 3.30 in the morning every single day. And I get up and I go straight downstairs into my basement. I got a whole entire home gym I built down there and I work out. And that's how I start my day. I'll run. I'll work out. I'll take an ice bath. I'll do the sauna. I literally took all the other gurus and everybody else that has podcasts and listened to them. And it's like, I'm going to try this stuff out and see which one works for me. And I started doing that every single day, three years ago. And from there, it just helped me through the rest of the day. And it's like, this sucks. Nobody wants to get up at three 30 in the morning and go and work out and lift weights or just walk on a treadmill, like even the bare minimum, stuff it's like i'll just walk a mile on a treadmill and then i'll have breakfast and then i gotta come into this shop and then it's i find exercise for me really helps it's it just sets everything right sets the tone for the day for me uh makes me physically feel better i got a four-year-old daughter that runs around like crazy and has more energy than anything i've ever met in my life i think it I'd be one of those gremlins and we'd better after midnight or something. (laughs) But uh, here I am pushing close to 40 years old. And then she made it a realization that I need to stay in shape for her. Plus I don't want her to be 16, some years old and who knows what she brings in the door at that age. (laughs) (laughs) i still got my 12 year old who's going on to 13 and he's very active in everything. He, wants to play all different sports he wants to go out and play airsoft he wants to do paintball he wants to go hunting he wants to do everything so i just never wanted to be that father that had to always sit down and uh i'll throw a ball to you in a little bit i just i'm too winded right now so stuff like that in the back of my mind helped push me every single day to go i need to have a little physical activity i need to do better for myself physically and when I do better for myself physically, I do better for myself mentally. And it's been a game changer for me. And it's like I said, everybody's a little bit different, but I mean, I can't, I like really can't hurt at the end of the day if you just at least try a treadmill first thing in the morning or jump in an ice bath. And you wanna learn about yourself really fast, jump into some 30 some degree water and try to sit in it for a minute. <laughs> Because <laughs> It's going to be a different life perspective for you the first time you ever do it. So yeah. That's
1: probably a, a sense of accomplishment that you have like first thing in the morning, right? You walk that mile, you lift weights, you're doing whatever you're doing. You start your day off, which I've heard a lot of people talk about on like Joe Rogan, other podcasts and things like that. You start with an accomplishment to start your day. And I imagine that helps make the day maybe a little smoother or tackle things a little bit easier.
0: Or you can just go on the side of perspective. Uh, I'll put on a 60-pound weight vest and run three miles first thing in the morning. Guess what? The rest of my day isn't going to be a 60-pound vest running three miles first thing in the morning. <laughs> so if I get the worst part of my day done first thing I wake up, the rest of my day is going to probably go a lot more smoother because <laughs> I can't imagine anything being worse than that. So that's like i said perspective at the end of the day you can look at it
1: i wanted to ask you on the automotive side because i i remember the titan that you worked on or they had parts for and you would mentioned the eco diesel how much has it changed with either the applications like what people are wanting because i don't talk to general truck owners like you do i don't see the, the things or, or know what they're asking for um How much has that changed? What's it like out there for what people want? And then how do you accommodate that with your business, with fabrication and different things that they're wanting?
0: Uh, A lot of what they want is always a unicorn that is just never achievable no matter what you do. Uh, I mean, on the diesel side, it's always still the same. We just want a reliable vehicle. We don't want a DPF system to go down. We don't want to keep wasting all this death fluid and uh, dealing with that side or the longevity of just their investment at the end of the day, because I mean, even though we became such a society that it's, I don't see very many people owning a vehicle past five years anymore. And I know I've had a new vehicle almost every single year for quite a long time. So I kind of understand that, but just the longevity, um, you know, people, Overall, in general though, every time we have somebody to stop in or we get a phone call and email, it's always the same thing. It's, I want the pedal lag gone. I want the better throttle response. I want a little bit better miles per gallon. And I want this thing to last forever. So uh, all we try to do is uh, like, we try to help design and build the catch can systems to help take a little extra oil vapor out of the CCB system. Uh, a little bit higher flowing intakes that allow for more air that's less restriction and then we try to back them up with good air filters so you have a washable cleanable air filter or dry media filter at most uh, just to help with airflow and then also of course with styling with the powder coat and everything that they like that when they pop open the hood (laughs) every once a month when they change oil it seems like (laughs) Uh, except for the truck show people that's a different one but uh it's it really overall in general people just want their investment to stay on the road and that's what we want to give for everybody on there like we we want to figure out how we can do that too it's i wish we could figure out a better uh we actually sat down and i tried designing a different egr system like two three years ago trying to figure out how can we make it a little bit more efficient that the coolers don't fail and they start leaking and we've i've had a mound of 10 different egrs in the back lot that we cut open and try to find the weak points and how can we make something that would drop in and would be compliant and work and what would it take to get the eo numbers and the compliance and carb testing for we actually have two designs one for i think we have a duramax design and we had a cummins design uh for the bigger big three ones and kind of played around with it and I had one on my L5P when I had that uh, we had one of our kind of re-engineered EGR coolers on there and the testing and everything was working good but we're trying to figure out how much was it going to cost to actually produce this and then how much was the SEMA garage or everybody else to try to get the compliancy on it and it just the, in all honesty we just don't have the funds where the overhead in this place is already almost too high and we just didn't really have the funds to continue on with it. So we had to scrap those projects, unfortunately. But that's why I'd like to see, especially the bigger manufacturers out there, uh, uh, direct replacement units that would help swap out the DPF system when they do fail. Or a little bit better design for flow for some of um, the SCRs and the EGRs. So that way they don't clog up so fast. Um, I know Corey is doing amazing stuff on the tuning side. Uh, to help with like the EGR cycles and even just soot output and so forth. So he's doing God's work on that end on the tuning side. And I really hand it to him for how far he's came and how much he's done for this industry over all these years too. So I really give it to him, but it's like, I wish I had, (laughs) I wish I won the lotto to actually really (laughs) take some of these ideas I have and, and really go forth with a lot of them on the automotive side. But it's just unfortunately, it's just not there un, under our house at this point in time. But it, maybe, maybe in a few more years, maybe uh, something else I'll hit and be a big home run that makes us a ton of money. And then it's like, all right, we can go back to this project a little bit more and help everybody out. Or yeah, there
1: electric. <laughs> yeah, well, the reliability I think is the biggest thing. That's what I always found from the earliest days of paying attention to diesel trucks is that was one of the main reasons people bought them was it was torque and it was longevity. And that's why you bought that versus the gas alternative. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I'll hear from people is they just want it to be reliable for a really long time. You think of the prices of them as well. Like what a new truck costs. They're, they're expensive. And I know people trade a lot and they don't keep them very long, but, It seems like every guy I talk to, it's always, I'm going to keep this forever, 10 years or whatever it might be. So we go into that wanting that reliability. So I look forward to seeing how that progresses with the aftermarket, because I think that's where the solutions have really always come from, especially with diesel, whether it's transmissions or turbos or tuning or just other things that were out there. The improvements always came from the aftermarket and the incredible creativity, ingenuity the skill that's out there, so I look forward to seeing it.
0: Yeah, I do. I really do too. And it's like I know, I know there's a lot of great minds out there that's putting a lot more thought into it. Um, go as far as injectors, and they're doing a better flowing injectors that still work with emissions compliancy and uh, CP3 and uh, was it DP2 pumps and all the uh, the Ford pumps that they're making disaster kits for and really putting safeguards in place and helping the stuff on reliability. Um, at the end of the day, the EPA is not going to go away. Um, you're not going to fight the EPA very well. They're going to have more money than you because they're going to use your money against you. And it's really, we just got to put the shift and the thought into it as far as I've like, I've been looking at it for the last couple of years. How can I make compliancy stuff? Like how can I make the compliancy stuff on the vehicle Uh, better and more reliable and that's where i think a lot of the performance industries are going to really the 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 real future expansion for for say automotive manufacturers themselves the aftermarket manufacturers it's like there's only so many intakes you can build and so many intake horns and grid heater units and so forth at the end of the day if you really want to make the most amount of money and reliability in it great product. You're going to have to start really hitting into the emissions components itself. The ones that fail from the factory, uh, all the time. So, um, I definitely would love to see somebody really kind of tackling that project.
1: That would be cool. Yeah. I think that would be the, uh, the thing that changes the entire dynamic of owning a newer diesel truck is something that's reliable that it maybe can be serviced. Um, that's less expensive, you know, than one, uh, from a dealership, if you do have an issue with it. So I definitely look forward to, to seeing what comes up. And I know there's, there's so many things that you build so many things that you do and our, our listeners, they're into a bunch of different stuff. So if like, if people have questions, whether it's about the cool things you got on the wall behind you, or that's something for their truck, um, some custom project that they're interested in, in doing, what's the best way for them to be able to follow you, reach out to you guys, ask questions, see, um, you know, how you can help them. Maybe they have a, a, a completely custom project where they're like, hey, can you help me with this? Um, and just be able to connect with you guys.
0: Yeah, it's uh, our email address is the all great one is info at CFTPerformance.com. All that will funnel down between me and my GM. and We usually hit those emails back up pretty fast. Uh, CFTPerformance.com is the website where we have all of our products and a lot of our services listed on there course the uh, custom stuff send us an email instagram is cft performance and then my personal instagram is josh cft and good luck finding them because we're both shadow banned right now so you'll have to type it all the way out <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i appreciate you chatting with me today and like i said i've i've enjoyed i enjoyed when we chatted years ago and then following you you know since then and seeing your progression all the things that you've that you've done it's, it's been really cool to kind of follow your story you know on, on social media and chat with you and stuff and um, I was really looking forward to talking today and just learning more about what you do and how you do it and and ways that uh, you know you found to de-stress or be creative and expand into all these things that you've done so I appreciate you sitting down with me today chatting look forward to seeing what you do in the future and following you know, your business and the, the things that you built.
0: Uh, i appreciate you you're doing a great job with the podcast i absolutely love it i know everybody else that listens does too so keep on doing what you're doing because you're doing a good job
1: don't forget diesel fans make sure and head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com and use code 23diesel20 get you 20 percent off site wide for diesel podcast listeners it's a great way to save some money get some really cool gear so if you need something for hunting fishing edc around the job site um, around the house they've definitely got you covered 2023 has been a huge year for them with a bunch of new releases, and one of the most recent are the Duralock models, which the way that the blade opens and closes is super smooth, and the blade's made out of D2 steel, so if you're in the market for a knife that you can work really hard, uh, depend on, um, you know, for EDC, for work, um, stuff around the stuff around the house, they've definitely got you covered, so just use code 23diesel20 at kershaw.kaiusa.com. I also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen and a 23 Diesel, J. Cole, John, all of our other Patreon supporters, all of you who subscribe on podcast apps, um, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Um, We really appreciate all your support here in year seven of the Diesel Podcast and look forward to bringing you guys more of the content that you want to hear in 2023. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.